0: Welcome to the Embrace Your Light podcast. We are your hosts, Rebecca Lyons and Danielle Massey. And every week, we are going to take you on a journey filled with spiritual exploration, inspiration, and expansion. Each week, we will guide you down the path of ancient spiritual wisdom and New Age
1: enlightenment from some incredible guides so that you can continue your spiritual journey with ease, grace, and a little bit of fun. So today on the podcast, we have the amazing Olivia. Olivia is an enchantress of natural magic. She's not a healer or a teacher. Instead, she sees her journey as being one of service. She creates spaces for you to journey inwards, opening a channel to receive your insights and clarity. Her enchanted spaces are there to act as a mirror to reflect your own light back. For many years, Olivia has held space through a variety of healing modalities. From naturopathy, yoga, and meditation to sound healing, reiki, and breath work. These practices then led her to create her own enchanted healing spaces through circles and ceremonies, where she welcomes all to come and connect to find their healer within. When holding space within ceremony, Olivia feels most at home, witnessing others share, show compassion, and create true connections with one another, She's guided by her own intuition and enchanted moments of which she hopes to pass on to you so that you have the need to create your own enchanted space. So welcome, Olivia. Thanks for coming into the podcast. Hey,
2: thank you for having me. Um, it was really nice to hear all that. I never actually heard someone else speak those words, so that was really nice
1: to receive. Um, it's cool, I- right, to have some of your accomplishments sort of mirrored back to you?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: It's um, That was a really nice moment <laughs> to start with. <laughs> And it's I could, through the word naturopathy. So <laughs> we'll take
0: that as a win. Yeah. Years to get. I could see your face. You were kind of like, oh, bliss, you know, like re- in receive mode.
2: I'm just going to sit with us for a few minutes if you don't mind. <laughs>
0: so
1: you sit there and we'll talk, and then we'll come back to you when you're ready. <laughs> But in all seriousness, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. When Becky was trying to explain you to me, she said, I don't know how to label her because she just is everything. She's done everything. She works with everything. And it's really just eclectic. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got to this point of having so many different gifts that you pull from?
2: Yeah, I mean, Becky's right. And it is, um, it's taken me a while to really find those words for myself and to show up in that way, because for a long time, I felt um, maybe a little bit of, of shame for not sticking at one modality um, and having that be my my truth and my word, um, but I can only live through my journey. And I understand why that is now, but it's, I suppose, going back to, hmm kind of dot of Olivia when I first kind of came into this lifetime I've always been the veil's always been quite thin for me growing up and which I think it is for many especially in our in child state um, and then over time naturally we we get conditioned and we lose touch in certain practices and aspects of self um, which is a beautiful journey to go on and one that I honor deeply I, I look back with joy now and seeing those dots connect and it was all there for a purpose. Um, but I suppose I really stepped into my truth in this journey when I was around 2021. So about eight years ago, and I was doing a job. It was in a career that I enjoyed. It was a creative, um, environment, but it wasn't my sole purpose. I didn't go in every day and my heart didn't race and give me butterflies. It was, um, a conditioned step that I was meant to take. And it wasn't aligning for many reasons. And that left me very, very low, just disconnected out of alignment with myself. And it was the first time that I consciously remember stepping in and listening to my intuition, not really knowing what it meant, um, but trusting it nonetheless. And it guided me away from that world. It guided me away from London and England and I went traveling like many of us do just sort of soul searching trying to see what the big wide world is and what's out there. And I ended up in Australia to begin with. And that was the sort of first time that I consciously connected to nature. I consciously connected to mother earth and allowed her to hold me and just be vulnerable in front of her and to tap into her wisdom and let my guard down. Um, And she led me on a beautiful journey around Australia through Bali, which led me into a more sort of spiritual journey of self. It was the first time practicing consistent yoga every day, getting into my body, recognizing my soul and intertwining them, Mm -hmm. finding my whole self. And it's been a long journey over the past eight years. And that's why I've sort of stepped into different healing modalities Mm -hmm. um, to heal me to find truth in all of them, um, to find light, to find shadows in all of them, to find light and shadows in myself. And it's just sort of built up from there. And I just always promised myself I wouldn't just attach to one. And if it flows in the right moment with the right client, that's what's meant to be. Um, That's kind of what's led me to this point in my journey.
0: I love that. And I love how you say, Well, it's not that I love how you say this, but I can relate. And I know so many people can relate to you saying, oh, I felt shame because I didn't just stick to one thing. And there's so many people that I'm speaking to really uh, right now in the present moment who are like, I like this, but I also like this. And I feel like I just need to stick to one of them. And I'm like, no, you don't need to stick to one of them because Like, why, why do you need to stick to one of them? It's, it's like, we grow, there's seasons, we're cyclical beings, we're ever, ever evolving and expanding and, and why it's kind of like the whole, this just came to me right now. It's kind of like the thing of like, you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't have it all. And it's like, yes, I can.
2: (laughs) It's, it's being trapped in a a box out of fear, other people's fear and wanting to keep you in a box so they understand you, so you can yeah. show up and make them feel safe. Um, and it's easy to sort of want to mirror that and, and think that's kind of the path we have to go down. And, and for some people it is. Some people find a calling in one area in life and it's pure and it's authentic and it's true and it's that's beautiful. But for some of us, like myself, like the box, I didn't fit in the box, the shape that I am. <laughs> It's an old shape, but no no one's quite seen yet, but it's my shape.
1: That reminds me so much of um, before doing my spiritual work, I was a licensed psychotherapist. And for a very long time, uh, I learned at a school where they taught us every modality because every person that you work with is different. So who am I to say that this method is going to work better than that one for you? Only you are going to be able to show me that you'll mirror it back to me. But when clients would call and want to work with me, they would just choose which one they wanted to work with, but they didn't know what they meant. So they'd call up and say, are you a cognitive behavioral therapist? And I'd say, well, no, I do that, but it's not all that I do. And it would scare people because they wanted to show up for the thing they've heard about. It feels safer. So I think you're so on point with that. It can be scary to go to someone and just go, what do I need? Help me.
2: Yeah. And that actually goes back to when I was training to, a naturopath and that's the same principle with the body each body is different each body physically needs something different through nature and nutrition and that was a really big awakening for me because again we just sort of see ourselves as human we're all exactly the same but we need healing in different ways we need to be held in different ways and that's why some people align with me perfectly and it's the most beautiful alignment of how you can hold space for someone and then others actually that isn't the right alignment. I can't offer what they may need in that time. Um, so yeah, the, the physical self and the spiritual self are the the same in that way.
1: And so true.
2: How did you end up studying naturopathy? So I started studying when I came back from my first traveling stint. Um, so I got back when I was 21 and when I was in Australia, it was the first time that I really like delved into vegetarian and vegan uh, meals, like eating out. And it was such a new, I was a meat eater at the time and it, just, it was wonderful. It was like this whole new world. And it really showed me through having a consistent diet in that way, how it physically changed um, my body as far as digestion goes, but also my mental health. I had struggled with for many, many years previously, uh, with an eating disorder, which peaked in my twenties, um, actually after I studied, um, so sort the of three-year, uh, decree degree and I came back home to London. I really wanted to learn more about the food I'm putting into my body and why we choose this food and what do I actually need? What, um, why are certain diets that I work with and by diets, I mean, um, not restrictive diets, just the food we put into our bodies. Why do certain things work for me and certain things don't? Um, So it was a really interesting three years to learn about the physical body and how we function, things that I feel we should be learning about in school anyway. Um, It's the one thing we're with our entire lives, yet few of us really know how it works. Um, And that, yeah, it held the foundation for all the other embodiment practices that came after that. I was able to honor myself on a different level because I, I, I can see the worth in my physical body.
0: That's um, this. Is so interesting actually, because before the interview today, and obviously I knew you were coming on and we were going to be speaking to you. I've been going through some, a journey with food. Like I've gone through such a journey with food of not knowing what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, all of those things. And you know, I, I it came through in on and the macro retrograde that we've just come out of. Thank you. Um, it came through during that time of how restricted I was being with my food and then with my whole lifestyle. And um, I just got like super mad at one point when I was like, why does no one teach us this? Why is it so confusing? I mean, I know why it's because certain companies and stuff want us to eat certain things so that, you know, we are always buying from them because otherwise if we're eating really healthy and we don't get sick, then like, you know, a lot of businesses will go out of business. Um, so it's just interesting because i was thinking i wonder what olivia eats i wonder what her diet is like i wonder how she you know i wonder what her relationship is like with food so yeah super interesting what's what is your relationship with food like how do you eat and stuff like that i would love to know (laughs) it's true what you said it's a control game
2: um we're controlled from a very young age of what we eat when we eat um we're never taught how to be intuitive eaters um, out of love to begin with, you know, our mother feeds us, our father feeds us, the food's on the table. Um, we rarely get a choice in what we're fed and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's nurturing as well. Um, but then you go to school, then it's school meals and the choice is really taken away from us quite an early age. Um, I had triggers, my triggers for my own eating disorder came from around the age of 10, consciously, maybe even slightly before, um, and body image and everything that goes along with that. And when I look back now, you know, it's only really been the past, truthfully the past year that I can like, put my hand on my heart and say that it's been a year of intuitive eating. Um, always, even if I was eating the like, quote unquote healthy food in my teens, I was aware of what I was eating. I was aware of when it was going in my body. It was controlling it to such a degree that it took over my life. It was all my energy was going into Um, the control of food and exercise and and my appearance and how I physically show up in the world. Um, And then through studying to become a naturopath and learning about different foods, part of me me sees that journey as almost like aiding um, my eating disorder and maybe prolonging the healing process. But then part of me sees it as just understanding the core behind nourishment, both physically and mentally. Um, and then again through different embodiment practices so yoga tapping into physically moving my body it helped heal me but it also enhanced that I'm aware of my body on such a deep level now also that my eating disorder peaked when I was around 26 so a couple years ago Um, and now it's all about intuitive eating it's about asking myself what do I need today Now, obviously, for anyone who is struggling with eating disorders, I'm very cautious about these topics and ever talking about um, plans or numbers or anything that can be triggering. But when you go through your healing and you go through planning what nourishment you're getting for that day, when you get to that point of I'm ready for intuitive eating, it's the most beautiful journey. It's the most trusting journey with self. It's all intuition. So now if I wake up, if I'm hungry, I'll I'll physically ask myself, Are you hungry right now? What do you need? Do you need something to get you through the next few hours? Do you need something like a quick pick-me-up? What are you craving? Um, When I'm feeling sad or low, like I don't judge myself now for being, oh, I need chocolate. Okay, maybe I'm low in magnesium. That's why it's calling for me. But it's an emotional food and it's nice to be just kind to yourself in that way. Um, But it comes in ebbs and flows. And I do think my eating disorder was such a beautiful mirror for self-compassion and just to keep showing myself. And that was the biggest lesson from that.
0: Yeah. For me, I'm very much like, this is good. This is bad. Yeah. Well, this is terrible, but I'm still going to eat it, but I'm putting, I'm channeling terrible thoughts into this food and then I'm digesting it. And it's, um, it's a journey. What, what helped you switch or start going down a, the route of intuitive because it's yeah it's it's an unraveling in, in a way right
2: yeah definitely
0: and the the reason I really had I
2: decided and took the control back and stepped into a place of healing was it took me to the brink of no return you either step up now and take control of your life or you allow the eating disorder to control your life And I got to that point in my journey when I was physically very sick, um, as well as mentally, as well as emotionally, just detached from this experience. Um, And it was a hard journey, and it will be a journey that I will never paint out to be easy and light filled. And of course there were light moments, but it was a shadow journey. It was the first time I truly embraced my shadow and honored my shadow and loved my shadow, what it was showing me. Um, And it's a step that I will, always shout from the rooftops when someone needs to hear it that you are worthy of recovery we are all
1: worthy of recovery I think shadow gets a bad rap sometimes because it feels scary it feels like something we're afraid to go into but that's where so much beauty lies it's in honoring the fact that we're not perfect and there's some darkness in us and when we actually confront those things and bring them to the forefront that's when we can really heal that's when we create some really long-lasting beautiful change
2: yeah the shadow is coming in strongly right now Um, as a collective like we are in our shadow we are birthing something bold and beautiful but are we in shadow state and you're right it's scary and it's dark and it's unknown but it's so so beautiful because it's our duality
1: to its existence It's, it's an equal this is my happy time, because as a shadow worker, it's like, finally, <laughs> finally, <laughs> it's happening. But it's true. 2020 was a huge year of shadow. 2021 is looking to be just about the same thing of really just bringing anything to the forefront that we've been hiding from ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, age of virus, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Food is one of those things that we are taught from an early age not to pay attention to in a healthy way and to instead just sort of go with what you're told, sort of like you were saying before. So when it comes time for someone to work with you, if this is something that they need, how do you help them get out of that mindset? Returning to the inner child,
2: asking them what they needed and what they didn't receive and what they wanted. It comes down to food is so connected to our emotions and our traumas in life, Um, so going back on the journey, stepping back in time and giving them that space and time to honour themselves in that way, to show up for themselves in that way, again, reparenting themselves. And that's not to say they weren't parented in by love and light. That's not um, a blame game. But we all need to take control of our journey and reparent ourselves to a certain extent. Um, so if it's ever linked to food, that's where I begin. Um, just to let that child, inner child know that they're safe and that they're loved and they're seen and that they're okay. And I think that's the first step to be tapping into our intuition is just trusting ourselves again, trusting all versions of ourselves again.
0: Yes, hundred percent. And I, I, it's interesting for me actually, because it's only this year, it's only really recent that I realized, like, I kind of knew I had a disordered relationship with food, but I guess I hadn't really acknowledged it because I was I'm constantly transforming like I'm bringing shadows to the surface and I'm working on them and I guess that one just didn't want to come out yet and then when it came to the surface I was like wow like I've been because I was searching as I was actually asking myself I was asking the universe like what is it that I'm trying to control because I've been discovering a lot about my north and south nodes and myself node is Virgo which is control and being strict and everything like that right and it just didn't come to my conscious awareness that food like the number one thing that we have to do and we have to eat food and well it's not necessarily the number one thing maybe breathing is but still it's very important, right? <laughs> and I just couldn't believe how much control I had around food and then I had a really honest conversation with my mum and some friends from school and they said, "Yeah, we we thought that you had a disordered eating." A relationship with food, but at the time we kind of all did, and we didn't know how to approach you. And I said to them, even if you'd have approached me, I'd have, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed it because it was a very deep rooted shadow for me. So even coming out now, it's such a revelation to me. I'm like, wow, like. But now I'm like, where do I go from here? How do I get a normal relationship with food? I. It's just I, I'm taking it obviously step by step. But the concept of intuitive eating, like what you say to me right now is so far from me right now where I'm at. And I'm okay with that because I know I've got to take it step by step. But to imagine even just feeling like that is like it makes me feel kind of emotional. It's like freedom, like it must feel like freedom to not put so much energy into what am I going to have for breakfast? Oh, how many calories? Like, it's, uh, I don't even count calories. So I take that back, but I'm like, Oh, should I be eating that? Oh, what about my digestion? Cause I've got really, I've got a lot of gut issues, um, which is probably emotions trapped in there. Um, so for me to get to a place where I'm, I can live my life and it's not controlled by food is going to be a good day. Like I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that you've even you're at a place in your journey of acceptance of just where you are
2: and knowing that where you're not also and honouring both, that's such an important step. And you know, it does go back to journeying back to maybe the first time you can consciously remember being out of control in your life. There's a certain situation in childhood that took the control away from us. It's that fight or flight response. You naturally just want to grab onto any form of control just to feel like you're still... Um, in control of your life and that's why so many of us men women all of us link to food because it's um such an it's, it's there in front of us it's so grabbable um so take your time with that journey and just honor don't rush that process don't rush that process and you're right when you do get there it is the freedom of that energy output every day because it's, it's exhausting. And the empathy I have to anyone who has any form of disordered eating is so strong because it's just exhaustion each day because you can't put that energy into your passions, your family, your partner, your friends. Um, it all goes into food. Um, so take your time and for anyone listening, take your time of your process. Healing is non-linear. And it will be as long as it needs to be, but there will be so many beautiful moments in that journey.
1: Powerful. So when it comes to food, obviously we're focusing on a lot of the disordered stuff and the negative stuff. How about the positive side of it? Like when you actually find foods that make you feel amazing and you can tell that they're working really well with your body. How often do you find that there's some that just work for everyone? Or have it where it's like specific to just that person.
2: I would always say it's specific to that person. Um, I don't, I can't wholeheartedly say. I think there's one food that maybe there is, but who knows? I just don't know Definitely. everyone. Else, but <laughs> maybe. Um, I think a lot of it is down to the state in, in when you're eating the food, also because there's foods that I used to eat that I would never digest well afterwards because I was always in a stress response when I was eating them. Um, I'm very conscious of eating them. And now I can eat and have absolutely no problem with. So that's really healing um, our emotional self, but also our gut. Um, And yeah, it's it's beautiful to enjoy food. Again, like we've got to go through the shadowy aspects of recovery and acknowledge the the pain that can come from an eating disorder. But when we journey through that and we can find joy in food and whether that's sitting down of ourselves, making ourselves a nourishing meal, like going through the cooking process um, with intent or not having that fear of, I was going to say going out to restaurants, but that's bad timing with the pandemic. But when this is over of that fear of what's going to be on the menu, can I eat this food? Who's going to be watching me? How am I going to be feeling afterwards? Um, what's in there? Like not knowing all the
1: ingredients. Um, oh gosh, that's me. I'm always afraid when other people cook for me because I'm like, what did they put in that? And like, what yeah. if it's something that's going to trigger me negatively? Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's it. Or I think what oil have they used? Like what oil have they used? Have they put salt in there? Have they, what kind of salt did they use? Was it table salt or was it like Himalayan salt? You know, like it's...
2: <laughs> if don't get me wrong. Like some of us, like we are intolerant to certain foods and we have to be cautious about what we put in our bodies. Um, and that's okay. But it's also nice to be able to voice that um comfortably in a restaurant so to actually ask those questions without feeling so seen and embarrassed by that and other people at the table seeing that knowing what works yeah. um, it's so
0: important yeah and I remember when I was younger because I was super I was called a fussy eater because I didn't eat meat I didn't eat uh, basically all I ate was cheese pizza and cheesy pasta it was all I would eat mm-hmm. and my mom would try so hard you know to get me to eat different foods and I didn't want to know I just wanted cheese um and yeah it was the whole I guess the thing for me is being told oh she's fussy uh, you know and that was su- the thing for me I was like but I, I was like but I don't like me or like I don't like certain food. I didn't like certain foods, you know, like I, I was a child. I didn't like those foods. Like I wasn't lying. Um, and then when I uh, in 2020, beginning of 2020, I, I had a lot of tests done. I found out that I had a lot of allergies and food intolerances, obviously, from the way I'd been eating and eating on gluten and cheese. Um, so then I went on a, a diet, especially because I had high levels of candida as well. So I went on the good old sugar-free candida diet. And if we went out eating again, you know, people around me would joke, but they didn't mean it. Like it would trigger me so bad, but they'd be like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm not as fussy as her. Or you don't need to worry about me. And even the waiters would get involved and I'd be like furious. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm allergic to gluten, so I can't eat it. Um, But can you please try not to get any in my meal? kind of thing. Sorry if I'm coming across as fussy. Like that would, yeah, that would really boil me up
2: <laughs> you're apologizing for simply being you mm-hmm. constantly just buying
0: just being yourself and that's exhausting in itself and, enjoying- and and just speaking up for your needs right like just saying like I can't have these certain foods and I would get so much backlash in certain restaurants would be like well just so you know we have it in the kitchen so there's no guarantee and I'm like I know I understand that but like I've got to tell you I've got to voice these these things to tell you. And yeah, that's kind of like a whole journey of of, of being like <laughs> when they say something that actually really pisses you off. <laughs> yeah. And then journey with that infant afterwards as well, because they
2: stick and they build up. Um and that kind of leads into the, you know, am I a burden? Like how can I show up? How can I make myself smaller and not be seen? And that's such a huge point of eating disorders and it's I don't know when this podcast is gonna come out, but like this week is National Eating Disorder Week, coincidentally. Just showing like all these, um, all this information is coming up online and just reading and going through. And again, when we think of eating disorders, we just think of predominantly anorexia when really there are so many different types of disordered eating um, that aren't vocalized strongly enough. That means many of us don't even realize we have disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And we just accept this as normal life Um, Yeah, that's what we do. If someone puts us down and makes us feel like a burden, we want to make ourselves smaller. We want to just hide in a corner and not show up fully. And that comes out in all aspects of our life and existence.
1: I see very often with the women that I do shadow work with, one of the common eating disorders that they have that they don't realize is a disorder is binge eating disorder where they'll wait until their partner's asleep or nobody's seeing them and they will just eat as much as they can, where they almost black out while they're eating.
0: Yeah. Until they're so full that you feel like sick or like your stomach could burst. Yep. Yeah. And then it gets into that whole shame and blame thing where afterwards they beat themselves up. They need to
1: keep it a secret. They feel embarrassed and they wake up and it's just the repression of all those emotions that they have. And they don't realize that this is an eating disorder. And it's actually mm-hmm.
0: common. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what I used to do? So I used to, I went through um, a breakup and then I went into, I used to drink a lot then as well. And I was single. So I would go out and drink with friends, but I would never eat because I didn't. Like I knew if I ate, I wouldn't get it drunk or I'd get really bloated because I'd eat food and then I'd drink, right? So I would be one or the other, food or drink, never mixed. And um obviously that's terrible. And then when I wasn't out drinking, I would be home binge eating. And I would, you know, most things that you buy come in packs of two or they're like way bigger than a size portion for one person, right? So I'd buy all these things and I'd eat one and I'd still be feeling like empty, like my emotions would be empty. So I'd then eat another one. And then I would actually think that no one else, like in my mind, I was like, no one else eats how I eat. I was like, no one else does this. Like I was so embarrassed or so full of shame and guilt and actually disgusted with myself that when I found out that I can't eat sugar, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat dairy, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. It was actually in a way what I needed to take me out of the binge cycle because I had to go on this extreme diet of not eating almost every food. Um, and I'd stopped drinking alcohol in 2019, I think, because I thought that that had damaged, and it probably had damaged to my gut lining as well. Um, so then I was just looking around and I was judging everyone else. Cause I was like, Oh, look at them. They've got Coca-Cola. <gasps> look at them. They've got chocolate cake. Oh, wow. Look at them. They've got white bread. Like I was judging everyone then because I was not allowing myself to eat those foods. It was like one or the other. Mm-hmm. And now I've come off of that diet. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know where to go. You went
1: from One form of control to another form of
0: control. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And that's the binge restricting cycle. It's exactly that. It's when you feel out of control of one, something triggers you and you fall. The normal For me, my normal cycle would have been restricting for X amount of months and then something triggers me to lose control and falling into binging for however many days. And it's just a continual cycle. But I think the most important The most important thing to recognize when it comes to food in our bodies is, first of all, our food is there for nourishment, to keep us alive, to keep us with energy and to keep us moving through our days and and feeling good. Um, So we can move around, we can exercise, we can dance, we can go to yoga, we don't have brain fog, like we're just alive being human. And then when we have that down, we can start to just enjoy food as a pleasure because we realize that we are worthy of taking up space. We are worthy of being alive in this journey let's have pleasure through this and certain foods can give us pleasure. And that's, that's okay. Like we're allowed to experience that. Um, We should all experience pleasure in every single form in this lifetime and food and certain drinks are a beautiful way to do that. Um, As long as it's intuitive. And as long as we are
1: happy doing that for ourselves and not someone else. That's such a powerful message. And one that we should all be taught when we were young Mm-hmm. Becky, when you were sharing that story about when you were young, all I could think about was my daughter because she's similar now where she's six years old, almost seven, and she loves carbs plus cheese, like take yeah. those two things and package them up. However, and for a long time, I hear other people giving her the message of you're a picky eater. Like it's impossible to feed you and stuff like that. And I try and get them to stop. But even myself, I fall into it sometimes. Where I'm like, eat something, eat something, try something new. So what I've been trying to do semi-successfully up until this point is just give her other options to go think about just how it tastes. Like you don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but just taste it and see how it makes you feel afterwards. Maybe it makes you feel icky. Maybe it makes you feel angry. Maybe you love it. Maybe it makes you feel really good, but at least try and just see how that feels. It's yeah. hard though. It is.
2: Interesting. And I trust him. I think that's perfectly said, though, of it doesn't matter what emotional feeling comes up from that uh, food or situation, let's just see what happens, let's see what you feel and we'll honour that, whatever that is. And I think as a parent or a, caret- a caregiver, like, it's, it's so hard for anyone to step over the, um, that we have to constantly take care of others. Like it's the fear of what if I'm not showing up enough? That's my child. I have to make sure they're protected and healthy and strong. And when we let that guard down and that control down and just allow them to fall into life, however they need to, um, they blossom. And we we don't feel blame. We don't feel guilt. Um, It's such an important lesson for us to learn, for them to learn, to teach each other, each other's teachers. Um, I think that's beautiful to hear
1: with you and your child. It seems like that's part of the work that you're doing for adult women now that come to work with you, where it's like going back to that time and just giving yourself that love that you needed in that space to really explore.
2: Yeah, it's what's been coming through a lot over the past few months of um, tapping into the inner child firstly and reparenting her or him and loving her wholly, loving him wholly, giving her or him what they didn't have, what they needed ourselves and to enjoy this journey but also what's coming through a lot for me at the moment is the vivid image of this next generation um the one that we're going to be birthing i know we're birthing a lot of energy right now but what is the physical generation going to show up as and look like and live through and it feels like this trickle-down effect right now and it's so beautiful to be a part of and even though there's going to be like a good chunk of time before we can truly witness that it's it's just the most humbling experience and journey to be a part of and to know that I'll get to witness that.
0: It's interesting. My partner and I were talking about this last night and we were saying how we've lived pre, during, and then post-coronavirus. And, like, what a... I mean, I know that now people are saying lots of... Um, predictions and and stuff, but I didn't hear anything of this coming. You know, I didn't see this coming before 2020. Genuinely, I didn't. So, um, yeah, it's so, I just feel like we're really finally like, our generation. And this isn't to say that like our parents and everything are bad because I know that each generation have their own like traumas and things that they will be dealing with. But it's like our generation now, we're, we're doing, the we're cleaning up, you know, like we're cleaning up for mistakes that certain people and companies have made for like sh- short term goals. We're doing all of the sweeping up, the cleaning up, the shadow work, everything. And that includes like realizing that probably most women in the Western world have eaten dis- dis- disordered eating right because of the way that we've been brought up and the way that the mainstream media have been like look at this body or look at this person's face or, or whatever eat this don't eat that I mean I don't know if you remember Olivia but do you remember the special k diet where you were told to eat oh, wow. two bowls of cereal mm-hmm. two bowls of cereal did you have that in America as well oh, oh we did oh yeah <laughs> my mom did that Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were like, this is healthy. Eat two bowls of sugary cereal and one meal a day. And if you're hungry, drink some water. Like we're, 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 I I feel personally like we're now really um, making a way for the the next generation to be able to live who they are and not have to unravel like an onion uh, as we are doing every day it we'll takes out and then add on top of it the fact that the clothing at the time of
1: things like the special K diet was like super low rise skinny yeah. jeans and like super uh. tight crop tops where the clothes didn't matter your body was on display like at the time where like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were really hitting the height of their popularity that was when we were probably the most vulnerable And watching these women and going, oh crap, Like this is what I have to wear. This is what I have to look like. I need to have two bowls of cereal in the morning because my mom's doing this diet. And it's just the disordered eating was so embedded within us. It became so natural. And our view of our bodies was so shitty. Mm -hmm. And then now I think there's so much more body positivity and loving yourself and honoring what you need and creating space for who you are as a person that this generation is getting to really enjoy some of what's coming through, which is nice. Yeah. Else, but it's nice.
2: <laughs> going back to what you were saying, Becky was in within sort of didn't see this coming. And the truth is this sort of past year or so, like the like everything's crumbling. The systems are crumbling, this hierarchy crumbling. It was taken over by Mother Nature. She came in and she was like, Hey, remember me, we've got some, we've got some unlearning to do <laughs> learning to do. Let's let's take back the power here. And we're all waking up to that of we've to an extent have been controlled in such a way through the media, through politics, whatever it may be. And I think by spending so much time with ourselves, we're realizing actually I need to take care of myself because no one knows what else to do. They're not giving us real like directions of how to care for oneself whether it's physically emotionally spiritual mentally I'm taking back that control now and that's what I've witnessed over the past year and in, in beings yeah. journeys um which is beautiful because yeah we can question things now without feeling like we don't have a voice and you're right with the low rise and high rise genes I'm seeing those like TikTok memes coming up now and uh, <laughs> it's so fun to watch but it's also thinking like God, high rise jeans are just more comfortable for everyone. Like I've yet to be told It just that. makes so much more sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now we can voice that, and we can find the humor in it, and we can make memes about it, and be find the lightness in it. But also know that we can choose what we wear. Like that's pretty much one of the million things we have choices in um, as humans and women. That yeah, it's a full full circle as, as always.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like taking our power back, right? Like. Like you said, and even down to I would say, um, like food, your body illnesses. Because I'm one who strongly believes that um, it's it can be very it's emotion, emotion trapped in certain organs or or, or areas of your body. And um, when we become our own doctors, like not literally in the way of like you know if we needed surgery or something serious which there's there's always going to be a place for doctors and doctors are amazing but when it comes to you know we're saving them a job by listening to what feels right for us because like you said we're all so different so certain foods will impact me in a different way to how they impact you but I'm only going to know that by eating them and listening to my body and how it reacts when I eat it and how I feel and everything like that so it's kind of like even we're taking we're taking back so much power because we thought that's my teacher that's my politician that's my doctor that's my nurse that's my I don't know boss at work like it's like we we gave out so much it's like we were taps and there was just pouring out of us until we'd become so deflated and now this time is like a balloon we're putting energy back into ourselves so that when we come back into the world we're all going to be like rock stars like hey (laughs) It's exactly that, like we're, we're realizing,
2: like, like you said, we're depleted and it's exhausting and we're robots and we're numb and that's not an existence, just sort of floating around, that's not true life, that's not true, um, that's not true anything, um, so this year of everyone sort of taking, I don't want to not acknowledge the pain and the struggles and the shadows of this year, they have been so, so present um, and the discomfort from that that so many of us have taken time to sit with self, ask us what our needs are, ask us what we're lacking in right now to bring joy, happiness, being content into our lives. And we're learning. We're learning so many different practices and falling into creative streaks again. And you're right, when the world does start to open up, it's exciting to think of what are we all gonna release? What is this sort of like masterpiece of art, this mosaic piece of art gonna actually look like? Like, That's exciting. Yes, it's the beginning, but we have to all start somewhere. all beginners at some point in anything that we do. Um, Each master is a beginner beginner at some point. So, yeah, the the evolution of this is going to be no doubt absolutely stunning to witness.
0: Yeah, we can all be beginners together. (laughs) Putting our hands through.
1: (laughs) And I know for you, because you have such an eclectic background of different things that you dabble in, what are the things that you feel called to use when you're doing your own healing work?
2: Mm, that's a really nice question. It changes. It really changes whenever. Um, so for example, yesterday, I've had a few days of just very um, like deep sorrow in my heart space and very sad and emotional and crying and releasing that way. And, you know, I'll sit with myself, myself and like I'm a, my child and I'll say to myself, what do you need? What is your heart calling for? Do you need to just sit with this? Do you need time to process this? Do you need to move into this? Like, what is it that you need? And yesterday I just needed to sit with self. I journaled a lot. I wrote a lot down. Um, I connected to fellow sisters and asked to be held, which can be a really hard thing to do as a space holder, to be seen um, by other space holders. Um, But I asked for help and they gave me their divine wisdom and insights but it changes like sometimes you know i want to do mirror work sometimes i want to just dance crazy dance moves in front of the mirror to crazy mariah Carey soundtrack like whatever's calling at me um, i trust myself to to be my guide um, and i think through all the different healing modalities it's just given me permission to never feel restricted um, in my own healing um, but yeah it varies from
1: from day to day definitely I think that's so powerful. And we had someone on a while back, uh, Catherine, Becky's mentor, who talked about this idea of not trying to hyper-control things and to just let yourself flow into whatever space you go into. And it sounds like you do a lot of the same, where instead of trying to fight against what is happening for you internally, you just open yourself up and go, okay, that's there for a reason. So what's the reason? What is it that you need?
2: That's exactly it. And it actually came for me a lot through the practice of yoga, like the physical practice of yoga um, in the sense of I love being guided in a yoga class. I really do. And that's obviously where my foundation came from. But I really wanted to practice to be a teacher, not only to hold space for others, but I really wanted to learn how to move into my body when I needed it the most, because you know, so many times we can go to a yoga class and enjoy it, and it can be really powerful and meaningful, but maybe not quite what we needed in that moment. Um, so just to really learn what your body and your mind needs, um, I learned that through the practice of yoga, and yeah, sometimes I'll go through practices that are fast and flowy and build up that heat and sweat and others i am deep into my feminine and i'm deep into yin and i'm holding postures for you know up to 10 minutes i'm surrendering i'm letting go um, it's it was a beautiful lesson to really learn that i found through that practice
0: and i really like how you ask yourself i think i think did you say what is it i need now mm-hmm. yeah That's such a powerful question to ask yourself because we just don't ask ourselves those questions and we kind of panic and we're like, uh, maybe, um, okay. Maybe if I just numb out and watch this TV show, or maybe if I just call a friend and just go straight into it. Um, but if you take the power back and you set, you ask yourself because you should be talking to yourself all the time because there's so many different parts of you. Right. And, um, and when you ask yourself that and then you listen and it's like, I just want some cacao and you're like, Okay, cool. I'm gonna get some cacao and I'm gonna sit in my bed. And I'm just gonna cry. And you know, and and once you start asking yourself those things, then that's how you said you trust yourself. You build there's a level of trust with yourself and you can have a relationship with yourself where you know how to soothe yourself when you are in discomfort. Yeah, because we're always relying
2: on someone else, another energy to do that healing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because again, we're, we're conditioned that way. We have our parents look after us, our teachers look after us, but at some point in our lives, we won't have those people. And that's part of the life cycle. And we have to learn to take care of ourselves and to do that. I've always found falling into stillness um, quite literally, just pausing, stopping in your day when things get too much or there's a disconnect. When you fall into that phase, that state, and you ask yourself, okay, what do I need right now? Where do I physically feel discomfort? What part of my body am I am I not in, or am I in? Is there heat in an area? So um, just like tapping into what your physical body may need in that moment, as far as senses go. So noticing if there's any area of discomfort, of heat, um, pain, anything like that, um, lightness, and then physically, then emotionally, seeing what you need. Like, am I happy? Am I sad? Am I angry? Is there rage there? Um, and then seeing what that looks like to receive. And maybe it is laying in bed and having a Netflix show on or reading a book or having a cup of tea. Maybe there is, there is heat in there that you need to release. Maybe you need to go for a run. Maybe you need to step into your body through ecstatic dance, whatever it may be. Um, just honor what comes through for you and know that it's always right, that there is no right or wrong to our intuition. It's always gonna guide us to exactly where we need to be. It's the most beautiful tool that we can ever regain and take that power back in this journey, I feel. It's it's everything in this journey. Um, and we all have one, it's beautiful.
1: Olivia, do you ever have people that work with you who when they listen to their inner voice and get an answer, they try to argue with it? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I
2: don't know if have had anyone argue, but I've had ones that don't want to fully accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe kind of asking for different answers. Yes. Um, Because sometimes, you know, what really does show up for us isn't what we either expected or are ready to or feel like we're ready to journey through. But in actual fact, it's exactly what we need. And that's another reason why I do practice so many different healing modalities is as humans, we sort of want to fall into a safe space and into our safe zone. And sometimes we don't sort of venture out into areas of discomfort. Um, And when you can build up that relationship with a client or even in a gathering um, to make them feel safe, maybe in an area they've they've experienced before, you can then guide them into a different area that maybe there was resistance to, which I do find is where the true true deep core in a healing comes from. It's when we step past that resistance into that discomfort and accept the answers that are screaming at us to fully hold
0: again. And how do you see people now? Is it all online? Because I know when I came to see you in 2019, as we figured out, it literally feels like not even that long ago. um, I came to see you in person and and it was so beautiful and we had the sound and the crystals and and everything. So how do you see people? How have you adjusted to um, having to work online? Yeah,
2: it took me time. It really took me time to... Um, I found myself a very adaptable person in general. I'm a Gemini and that comes quite naturally to me, but this took me time. So I really honored it for the first six months or so um, to feel comfortable in this new online realm, to understand it, to be able to sharpen the way that I wanted to. Um, but now, yeah, I see, I see my clients all online and it's showing me or reminded me that energy exchange is always the same. You know, it doesn't change whether you're physically with that person or not. The intent is always gonna, as long as the intent is pure, it's it doesn't matter if it's on a screen or not. Um, so I see my clients online, I'm holding my gatherings and circles, my sister sharing circles online. And as beautiful as they are, like of course I'm ready for physical gatherings again and to tap into that magic. Don't get me wrong, but it's so beautiful to see people step into this realm of being and healing because it's so easy not to click the button to sign on. It's so easy to be like, ah, maybe I'll do it next week. I haven't actually got to leave the house. It's actually a lot harder um, to, yeah, to step out of your house and step into a physical space. Um, So it's been beautiful to witness, Um, but yeah, at the same time
1: I'm looking forward to holding physical space again, definitely. So if people are looking to work with you and want to find out more about what you have going on, where can they find you?
2: So all information about how to connect is on my website, which is the Um And I always have um, 10 to 15 minute sessions, phone calls to begin with, um, that there is no currency exchange. It's just getting to know one another to see if our energies align to see if um, I'm the right person to hold space for you and what you may be needing in this time. Um, so website has all the information on and the only sort of social media that I, I sort to say good at running but consistent at running would be Instagram, which is the enchanted space. and that's just a space to really um, keep everyone up to date, but just to also share my insights and, and my journey
1: and my art and what's channeling through for me each day. Beautiful. So we'll put all of that information up along with this episode so that you guys can find Olivia and work with her. And Olivia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your magic with us.
2: No, thank you both so much for having me. It's been, yeah, a really beautiful, insightful conversation. And I love
0: connecting with sisters in this way. So thank you both for sharing your light. Thank you. Yeah, this is kind of like what Danielle and I said. We we go with the flow and I didn't expect this conversation, but it was pure magic. It really was.
1: Divine mm-hmm. feminine. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. perhaps <Perfect>. uh-huh. <laughs> All right, everyone.
1: We will see you all next week. Bye.